This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Startup Theory. We are here today with Jesse Dow of Grit and Diamonds, which is a coffee scrub, um, which is going to be interesting to hear all about that coffee and salt, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, brace yourselves. He's actually in the middle of a start, start Kickstarter. I'm having a stroke. I'm having a stroke. He's in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign right now. I think it ends in two hours, right? 1220 p.m. All right. So he's hit his minimum already, um, but it's a pretty intriguing product. So I encourage you guys to go check it out, see what it's all about. If it seems like something that you're going to be into, it's got sustainability stuff going on, which um, Jesse will tell us all about in a second. But very, very interesting. You guys should go check it out on Kickstarter. You can also go to gritanddiamonds.com if you want to learn more about the product, Jesse and his team, or anything in between. So, all right. Without further ado, Jesse. Tell us a little bit about your company, if you would. All right. Um, background, coffee expert, spent 10 years in the industry, wanted to get back into the industry uh, in a different format. I came up with this idea uh, that I've seen kind of going around from business to business using coffee as an exfoliant. So uh, I love the idea of using coffee, salts, almond butters, shea butters, essential oils for aromatherapeutic benefits uh, to, to enrich the, the skin on your body. And wanted to get into it, but one of the problems I had with the uh, cosmetic industry is the significant amount of waste that's being added to landfills due to tubes, plastic containers. I mean, if you go take a look in the shower or under your sink, you're going to see tons of plastic. So I wanted to ensure that we packaged everything in completely compostable, certified compostable packaging, which is literally just a coffee bag with uh, food-grade non-toxic stickers on the front and looking to kind of stick it to... The cosmetic industry and say, hey, if a, if a small startup based out of Vancouver can um, introduce a cosmetic line using natural-based products and eliminate waste, then why can't uh, some of the bigger organizations? Very cool. And so tell me a little bit about, I know that you uh, were in the, the selling game for a while and then you went to corporate America and I think your exact quote was, fuck this. Am, am I mistaken on that? Uh, tell us about why you, um, why you went to corporate America briefly and then why you left. So, yeah, I, I was in, um, 
in the coffee business for, like I said, eight years uh, with an organization out of Calgary, Alberta. They're fantastic to work for, still great friends with the CEO today. Uh, but I fell in love, moved out to Vancouver, uh, chased, chased love, um, and uh, started up a painting franchise. Got in the service-based industry, got to work with... What was um, it? Was it student painting? Uh, it was called Wild One Day Painting. It's a newer franchise model, uh, maybe about three years old. It's out of a brand called O2E. You've heard of the company 1-800-GOT-JUNK. It fits underneath that umbrella. So I got to relaunch one of their painting franchises. And um, it was great. was off out of the gates. Um, as I think I mentioned, shaking hands, kissing babies, closing contracts. It was great. And then the world has a funny way of uh, sending you a few uppercuts and reminding you that business is still business and it's tough. So um, ended up, after eight months, soon realized maybe the service-based industry wasn't necessary for me. I was firing more people than I was hiring. Uh, decided to take a step back, go into sales again. That's where I joined Corporate America, and it took, yeah, maybe 90 days to realize, uh, fuck this, it's not for me. And uh, I did a pretty immediate exit. I just found myself to be like a number. Um, it was more about what you were doing in a day, not the quality of what you were doing. So I just took some time off to reevaluate and think, okay, well, what do I want to do? And that's where um, I knew I had this deep passion for coffee. I got to travel to coffee-growing regions around the world, work directly with farmers, source sustainable ethically sourced coffee and i want to get back into it but not necessarily jump into the competitive coffee market that 80 percent of people consume so i uh i started a uh, grit and diamonds coffee uh coffee scrubs wow very cool um so there's a lot of fascinating stuff in there that i'm actually super tempted uh i refer to jared as my conscience so i was sort of checking with him to see <laughs> uh if i could totally derail us but i won't um really really interested though in some of the things you're going through that i think really will resonate um i, I think there's a huge movement happening right now and i'm just going to go on record so jared has been preaching gen z um, and it's really captured my imagination and I, you're quite young. So I think there's, you're sort of on the cusp between millennials and Gen Z. Uh, millennials are a little bit older than, than I had thought. So Gen Z, I think is, uh, some, they're really going to resonate with what you're doing with compostables and, um, sticking it to the man a bit and getting outside of corporate America. I think that's really, really, uh, fascinating. So, but why don't we dive right into your questions? You have some great questions and I think uh, people are going to get a lot out of this. So, um, rather than take us down the Gen Z rat hole, uh, I, I will just say, um, why don't we dive in question one? Cool. Awesome. I, I appreciate that. And, and um, I'm not a millennial. I, well, I guess I would be a millennial. I'm 31 years old. So uh, wow, man, you're, you're aging fantastically. The next generation as well. I find it quite challenging. It's outside of my box. So hopefully you can help me with some of these questions. So definitely. Um, one of the first questions I have is I'm a big believer in give, give, give um, and reaching out to influencers. Obviously, we live in a world where people build trust based off what an influencer is doing. Um, I, I'm from the generation where I did research on things. And I think people will buy based on who's consuming the product, such as Instagram. When it comes to reaching out to an audience, what did you do for Quest? How did you seek influencers? What was the protocol? What was said? Was it like, hey, try my product? Like, what's the best practice that you did to get your like Quest into the into the market? So the the big thing there is to really identify who has a voice 
to the people that you care about that are really going to be your customer. And this is critical. And we'll talk more about this in, in one of your later questions as well. Um, so identifying your market, like who right now are you solving a problem for? And that's a, a big thing. Like there needs to be a group of people out there that are waiting, they're chomping at the bit for your product. Otherwise it's going to be an uphill slog. And I've talked a lot about this before. It's about leveraging behavior, not about trying to change behavior. If you're in, if you're in the game of changing behavior, you've got a really long and painful road ahead of you. But if you're able to leverage it, even if you're trying to leverage behavior to get people to do something new or to um, get a dramatically different result, you want to leverage something that's existing. So if you think about habit loops, you want to be replacing something. And that is, um, it's just going to give a lot of momentum to you. So find that group. Who are the people that want this product? So, uh, I mean, if you're an exfoliant, you're, you're not going after, um, probably 20 something guys because they're not thinking about that, right? They're not thinking about beauty. Youth is on their side. And so um, there's a lot of effortlessness to their routine. And I don't know that your product would address that. But women obviously are much more fascinated uh, with beauty, with beauty products. Um, and so I would be going after the influencers that I know speak very well in that market. So if you think of somebody like, I believe her name is Michelle Fan with an N, I should have looked this up. Um, but she's one of the uh, biggest YouTubers. She was just on the cover or is about to be on the, ooh, it hasn't come out yet, so I'm not sure that we should. Wow, well, we'll stop there. Oh, good. Uh, but she's being taken very seriously. <laughs> She's being taken very seriously, and uh, she's built a huge following in this space. So um, she's known for uh, beauty products. So she would be at the upper end of that spectrum. Somebody, I think she has multi-million followers on YouTube. I would assume the same holds true for Instagram, Twitter. Um, so if you think of her sort of as, as being at the apex of that group of people that you want to go after, and then you sort of scale down from there and find people that really are going to not only care about your product, they're going to understand it. And that's what you need. So at Quest, we went after people that we knew would understand what we had done with our product. And that ended up being a really big deal because we didn't have to explain it to them. So we could send it to them. And, and we so we identified who they were. We knew that they meant something to the audience that we were trying to attract, the, problem, the group of people that cared about the problem that we were solving. And that when they turned over the product and read the ingredients, that they would understand it. They would get the things, not only the things that were in there, they would understand the things that weren't in there. So you don't want to be in the business of having to explain this to people. You don't want to be in the business of having to explain to somebody that, hey, this is a compostable bag, and let me explain to you what composting is. It's where something biodegrades, right? You want somebody who looks at that and goes, whoa, this biodegrades in 18 months? You have to be kidding. Like Nothing else like this is on the market. This is crazy. So that they're off and running with it. And the moment that you have to be sitting there explaining um, your features and benefits, you're really, really in trouble. So go after, um, and then make sure that you're going after not just the top of the pyramid, the Michelle fans of the world, but that you're also going all the way down to somebody that maybe has five or 10,000 people. You get enough of those people that are really speaking in a super meaningful way, authentic way. They're connected. They have a really engaged audience. That's super critical. And for any of you guys out there that are interested in influencer marketing, I'm telling you right now, engagement, engagement is the name of the game. It is not about the vanity metrics of followers. It's really about, are people engaging? Are they commenting? Are they liking? Are they sharing? 
So reach is a big deal. Making sure that the people that you're engaging with have tremendous reach. Reach is really defined as how many people share their content. When somebody shares the content, you know, one, that they really um, believe in it, that their fans are, um, they want to help spread that message. So if you find somebody that gets a lot of shares in their content and that those shares reach a lot of people, that's worth their weight in gold. So they may, the influencer themselves may only be followed by 5,000 people, but if they have huge reach, it means that there's people following them that have a bigger knock-on effect. So that can be really, really valuable. And there are tools out there that help you identify the influencers and the people that have reached. Then from there, and this is the important part, you need to find an authentic connection with those people. And that was something that I'm really proud of the way that we handled at Quest, was we understood that it's about really reaching out to somebody that we understand, we know what their value proposition is, and we know that we can actually help them do something great for their followers. And so that was where we started. And we wrote them a um, very detailed letter that explained to them that we knew who they were, that we understood the value that they were trying to bring to their community, and that we felt that our product was going to do that. And so we sent them the product for free. And we said, all we want you to do is tell people about it. If you love it, tell them you love it. But if you hate it, tell them you hate it. Like, we're not trying to control the script. And that ended up becoming something that we became known for was, you know, and this is, you, you're talking like six years ago now when influencers were just beginning to understand what a brand relationship looked like. And so brands were beginning to give them contractual um, stuff. And they, sorry, I'm blanking. But Cindy, what's up, homegirl? Welcome back. It is so good to have you back. So Cindy's been gone. She has been horrifyingly missed. And it is very, very good to have her back. So now I can think again that I have greeted uh, Cindy. So that was really, really important. And um, making sure that you're you know, bringing it all the way around, that it's something that's gonna be valuable to their community, that it's something that um, is, is super authentic. That really is the, the way that you approach influencers. And when, if you're not trying to control the script, um, then you're gonna set yourself apart from all the other brands that are. Um, and so, like I was saying, six years ago, when this was really beginning for Quest, everyone was trying to say to the influencer, you need to say, you need to mention us this many times a month, you need to say these exact words. And we said, nah, we don't need you to do any of that. Like, we just want to really bring authentic value to you. And if we deliver that, then our belief about humans is you're going to talk about it. And so I think that's the strategy. Yeah, you know, it's, I've, I've seen both sides of that where people say, hey, we, we want you to reach out to us. You know, you want to do three or four shout outs for us. And it just seemed very inauthentic and building a long-term relationship with that influencer. So uh, I appreciate that. It's almost a, a sense of validation and just kind of being natural with, with building that relationship. Yeah, for sure. And you, you said in some of your comments that you're a patient guy. Um, I, I respond super negatively to the word patience, but I actually know what you mean. If you're willing to play the game for a long time, which I think is much more important to focus on than being patient, I say don't be patient, but do play the long game. Um, so knowing that, yeah, they might not bite right away at the beginning, but that if you're focused on building that authentic, real relationship, and one thing you, you really should do is be super active in their communities. Make sure that you're one of those people that are liking, commenting, sharing, because, you know, speaking um, as somebody that, you know, at Quest, we had millions of people following here at impact theory we're um, edging up towards a hundred thousand people in the community but the people that are active i see them like i know who they are i know their usernames i've clicked on their accounts i've looked at their stuff um, so i'm aware of who they are because they're they're ever present in our community and they're really adding value to us because you know our big ask and i'm i'm sure that 
um, you'll have a very similar ask, which is, hey, be active, right? Let us know what's working, what's not working, share the content. And so when people are actually doing that and adding value to you, you get into this, you know, um, a, a wonderful relationship. It, it's social in nature, social media. It's not, you know, the same as the, the person who's going to be the best man at your wedding, but it it is, um, I find very, very valuable, enjoyable, um, and, and, you know, it takes time. So you just have to, to be there, be present and deliver value cool. to them first. Awesome. Um, all right. I'm going to the next question here. How's my, uh, is, is it still working all the way over there? Yeah. We've somehow done the zoom back in thing and your, um, the, <laughs> the quality is a little bit lower, nice. but man, they can hear your, your wonderful voice. You'll be fine. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Um, I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot around on some of these questions based, yeah, on, for based on the answers you've been giving me. So, when it comes to hiring your first three employees in 2007, uh, what would you look for? Are you hiring CEO right away? Uh, warehouse logistics, you know, someone to help with formulas. Um, how would you plan your hiring test from your first, you know, one to three employees? So, you need to read a book called *The E Myth Revisited* by Michael Gerber. Um, it's it's really, I think, one of the most important books for any upstart entrepreneur to read because he has this really important concept in there called you want to be working on your business, not in your business. So um, I'm going to guess that the because you're good at marketing and selling and that's been your background, my gut instinct is you're going to want to hire somebody to do your bookkeeping. It's going to be somebody focused on finance because you're going to lose a lot of time to that, especially if you're not good at it. Um, so you could get good, you could learn it, but you know, you want to talk about something that'll just really, really consume a lot of your time when you could get a part-time bookkeeper um, to take a lot of that stuff off your plate. And so it really comes down to, because that that's not universal advice, right? So that's specific to you. Um, that may be uh, true for a lot of people, but you really want to go in and identify what are the things that are going to suck up my time? Because at the end of the day, sales solves everything. If you're not selling, you've that's like the number one problem. So sales and marketing trump everything else. Those need to be the, you know, the the focus beyond the product. So get the product right. You need a great product because if you don't have a great product, then all the sales and the marketing in the world is just going to erode um, your business model because people are going to realize, hey, I bought this because you have great sales and marketing, but it's actually a bad product. So I'm going to make the assumption that you you have something in your product. There was something, either you've already worked with the formulator or you are the formulator and you were able to come up with something that that's winning. If you don't have that, then that for sure is step one. But assuming that we have a great product and you're able to do the sales and marketing, then you want to go on to what are going to be the things that are going to eat up your time that aren't value add to the sales process and the sales process in the long run, right? So not just getting the first sale, but the great news is you have a consumable business and being in the, the world of consumables is awesome because now you have multiple times to touch people. And when you're a value add company, when your sales, your marketing, your social strategy, everything is about value add. Now you're in the business of, the more times I touch you, the more likely you are to come back and buy the product again. That is a, a solution for just tremendous longevity. And that's one of the reasons that Quest was so successful. And one of the reasons that because of what's happening in social media, that that really is where people have to apply their focus is to be thinking about earning trust through every interaction. You want to be evangelizing your customer at every touch point because especially in the consumable business, now they're going to become diehard. They're going to be loyal. They're going to be there for years and years. And that's how the business really becomes sustainable. So you want to look at hiring people that are going to um, alleviate anything that's going to stop you from adding value to that sales cycle. Uh, so my gut instinct here is it would be finance. Cool. I appreciate that.
You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off, and that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're gonna have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know you're a big believer in giving equity to, the, uh, to individuals that 
come on, your first hires, uh, employers. Now, I understand this isn't little advice I'm asking for, more of just a perspective. How do you take that approach? I, you could very quickly give out uh, a big chunk of the company, yeah. um, which could, could leave you pretty volatile. So, you know, in, in, and again, best practice, how would you say to offer equity in the company, shares in the company? And I understand we're a very small startup. We've just made our first sales, but this is something to think about when hiring, ensuring that people are coming on because they believe in the product. They're, they're here for the long game and they want to be a part of something big. And, um, and there's, there's some sweat equity in there for them. Yeah, so this is incredibly complicated and one of the few times that even I feel compelled to say a disclaimer. Normally my team has to beat me into doing disclaimers. Um, This is not legal advice. I am not a lawyer, so I will just (laughs) seek legal counsel on this one. Um, I'll just give you some of the things that um, you should be thinking about. So one, it's typical to give away between 10 and 20% of your company. Um, I don't think anybody's going to sneeze at that. I could see going a little bit north of that. Probably doesn't make a lot of sense to go too much farther north of that unless people are giving um, their pledging money to the company. Um, and I think the initial group of people you want to be probably somewhere in the 10% give out range. So whoever's on the founding team, think about giving away 10% of the company to them. Um, the reason is you want to leave upside because inevitably as you grow, you're going to need to give away more of the company to attract higher caliber talent. And that goes on for a very long time. So, um, to give you an idea, quest is still offering equity to, um, high, high level hires when they come onto the company now. And you know, this is what six, seven years into the company. So, Um, You want to make sure that you have that pool of equity that you're thinking into the future. And I assume what you meant by you can get yourself in a volatile situation um, has more to do with voting rights than just giving away equity in the company. So um, as a startup, I would not give away voting rights. I would give away um, a common class of shares that don't have voting rights. And also one thing that I would, and the reason that you want to do that is um, you want to maintain control of the company. And when people buy a piece of your company, then normally they do, um, depending on how much they're almost certainly going to demand voting rights. Uh, So you can rapidly get yourself into a situation where you're making decisions to please the board rather than to do what's right for the company in the long run. Uh, Because the board is thinking usually three to five years is an exit, maybe seven on the outside. I'm trying to help birth a movement called the Evergreen Movement, which is started by a guy named Dave Wharton, um, which is, I think, the it's not right for everybody, but I think that it's, it's such a viable, um, alternative strategy, which is where people make money off of dividends. So they get ownership, but they're really paid out in dividends versus, um, them ever expecting to sell. And that's certainly how we've structured the company here. Nobody's expecting, um, a big exit. Hey, if it happens and for whatever reason we decide in the future that that's what we're going to do. Um, so be it, but like, you'll notice all of my socials are slash Tom Bilyeu. It's not slash the company. Um, just cause you know, who knows, uh, what comes in the future, but right now we don't have any intention of selling the company. And so it's really a dividend play. It's about, um, you know, excess cash, we'll call it. I won't derail us now on that. But um, so one thing that you can do since you're not going to be, I would advise in my non-legal opinion, um, you not to give away um, any voting rights that you want to, you can do things like hey guys, here I'm giving you this amount of equity, maybe it's 1%, maybe it's 2% to your founding team member, Uh, but I also need you to sign, pre-sign this document saying that if you leave the company for any reason um, within the next five years or maybe longer, some people do this forever, Um, but if you leave the company before X period of time that you return your shares to treasury. And so that it's already pre-signed. And so if you guys decide to part ways that, you know, you've got something in writing, um, again, you, this kind of thing that you want to get drafted by a lawyer. Um, if you just cannot afford that, I'm sure that there's stuff online, but this is the kind of thing, man, you do not divorce the same person that you marry. 
Okay. Let's all let that one sink in for a second. You do not divorce the same person that you marry. So the people that you love right now and you can't imagine like anything ever going wrong, it can. And at that moment, like people see things from their own perspective. It's human nature. No need to be angry about it, but it's human nature. And so the likelihood of them seeing things the way that you see it are virtually zero. So you want to make sure that um, you've had some sort of prearranged agreement on what happens at that moment. Now, yeah. So, I mean, I've got my, my whole take on that uh, about what that does to a relationship. So you have to be careful, but that's the most prudent advice. Um, I'll just give quickly a flip side of that coin. When you have people sign prenups, um, it, it's weird. And it does something weird to the relationship. So anyway, something to think about. Um, we've taken a slightly different approach here, which is, so we have a vesting period. And if people um, leave before the vesting period, then you know they would get nothing for that other than whatever they got from a dividend perspective while they were still here. Um, and I think people should be in an evergreen model anyway, way more concerned about sharing in the excess cash flow um, than they are the equity. Because if you don't ever plan to sell, then... Um, you've, you know, you've got nothing, but, um, it does having that equity ownership makes people not have to pretend that they're an owner, not have to act like an owner, but they actually are an owner. And so I think it aligns selfish desires. Totally. No, I, I just realized we could do like a whole episode that. on that, but, um, that's awesome. That non-legal advice. Yeah. Non-legal advice. Um, okay. Here's, here's a big vulnerability for me. And this is something that is, is probably my biggest vulnerability when starting this company up, um, I'm, I'm a passionate guy. I'm very outgoing. I can communicate to 99% of people. I'm great at getting on a, on a deep level with someone. However, when it comes to communicating in a written form, I'm garbage. Like I'm, I'm actually just garbage at it. And I know you focus so much on mindset and, and I have this, um, I have this battle where I, um, umvelt is a term that you were using where I umvelt the ability to structure just great sentences and start a phase. A lot of the content is coming from me and it's, it's an online store. So it requires that. So I'm very much a go, 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 go kind of person. I don't like to stop too much. Um, having my stuff edited and it's, it's, it slows me down, especially when you kind of got a Kickstarter, you got to continually engage with your audience. Um, what advice do you have around that? Someone that, uh, you feel would, I, I, I don't know where you are intellectually with, with, with written language. Um, something I struggle with any, any feedback on that? Yeah, man. So in your notes, and hopefully you're not um, not saying this out loud because you didn't want it out loud, but um, in your notes anyway, you said that you're dyslexic. And being dyslexic is a superpower. Now, it's a superpower that has like a, a weird side effect that you're not enjoying, which is that the written language can be very difficult. Um, but read the book Disrupt You by Jay Samet. Not only does he give a list of the most incredible human beings that are dyslexic from Steve Jobs to Richard Branson. Um, I just read something that said Steven Spielberg is. I don't know if that's true, but um, that they're in, in the book, and I don't remember them all off the top of my head, but he goes through like literally seven or eight of self-made billionaires who are all dyslexic. And he said, the reason is that in school, it definitely seems like a deficiency because of your difficulty with the written language. But actually, the way that a dyslexic's 
mind works is that they see problems much more holistically mm -hmm. and they're able to make connections that other people don't make that get so myopically focused on one detail. And I thought that was really fascinating and does explain why so many dyslexics go on to be so successful because they're able to really, really succeed in the world of being an entrepreneur because they're able to make these unique connections. They're able to um, put things together that other people might not see solutions to problems where other people just see the problem. They actually see this sort of holistic global view of how, oh, no, wait, if you actually, you know, build a bridge from here to here, now you've really got something. So, um, I, you know, going back to what you're saying about my obsession with mindset, I would really, really, really encourage you to reframe in your mind, thank God I'm a dyslexic. I'm like, oh, this is going to work out so amazingly. Yes, I have to hire a copywriter when it's something that's going to be forward facing. So for the website or a really important email to um, say a potential investor or something like that. Yes, then I will work with a copywriter, which now are so easy to find on like Upwork and things like that. But I'm so grateful that I have this superpower that allows me to see things more holistically. That's probably one of the neurological firing patterns that's made me so good at sales, that's made it easy for me to um, conceptualize a business and grow a business. Um, so I'm super grateful for that. And all of a sudden, it just takes the edge off of, um, A, the insecurity of, like, if you knew that being dyslexic actually made you a more effective entrepreneur, isn't it a relatively small price to pay um, to not be good at sending emails? Yes, especially because you can speak to people very easily, that you don't have a hard time conveying the ideas, you have a hard time writing them down. And so, eh, like that's a relatively minor thing. There's people that you can leverage to help you with that. And so it becomes much more important to have the problem solving skills that seem to be um, tied to being dyslexic. So that I, I would just look at it that way. Um, and, you know, being insecure about it doesn't serve you. So I wouldn't be insecure. And it's just about it's in the beginning, like you're going to say that to yourself, and it's not going to be very effective. But you start doing that for a year, two years, and all of a sudden, you're going to be giving talks like to kids that have dyslexia about how advantageous it is. And one day, you're going to step back and go, whoa, I'm actually totally um, like, I believe that to the core of my being now, just because I've been saying it, I've been looking for evidence that proves that. And so you just get into this bubble of positivity around something that up to this point has been a negative. So yeah, I wouldn't sweat it is the long and the short. Cool, man. Really appreciate that. For sure. Ways. Um, all right, I'll jump back up here. Um, I mean, given what you know about uh, the small amount that you know about the company and the way we're starting the compostability uh, side of things with with the all natural ingredients, like how would you, if, if you were getting into something like this, execute the first 12 months, um, what's, what's the best um, plan of action that you would put into place? Is there some reference points, some books you'd recommend me checking out that really to create the strategy and work my way backwards? Uh, you hear that all the time, but I, I feel like it's quite a vague uh, explanation and uh, you know fundamentally finding where to go for that or how to create that plan uh, outside of like a, you know a business plan I, I put together the business plan but um, those are all kind of benchmarks and goals they they can change month to month yeah so um focusing on what's real and what actually matters is going to be critical so number one is profitability at the end of the day is all that matters Okay, so all the top line, you could be making a billion dollars, and if you're losing $50 million a year, you're losing $50 million a year, right? So this is the one thing, I'm so glad that I am naive when it comes to this stuff and that I'm uh, relatively stupid because I remember, this was probably 15 years ago now, I looked at the stock market and I said, this is like trading baseball cards. Like, unless a stock pays dividends, the stock is worth only 
as much as people say it's worth. Like there's no intrinsic value to it. And I remember trying to convince people and they're like, oh man, you're just naive. Like you don't understand. No, no, no. Like now that I've been playing the game long enough, I promise you that is exactly what a stock is. If a stock pays dividends, it's real because you get cash flow out of it. And that's based on some real fundamental metrics in the business where they have excess cash flow and they distribute that to the people that own their shares. And therefore you can actually make your money back while still retaining the stock. And so it doesn't matter what somebody's willing to pay for it. It only matters what the fundamentals of the business are. But if it is literally the company doesn't pay a dividend, then if the stock is worth, let's say, you know, 50 bucks a share, if no one's willing to buy it for me from me for $50 a share, it's not worth $50 a share, which is why overnight you can lose so much money in the stock market because people simply say it's no longer worth that. Or then they'll say it's worth twice that and you just made a bunch of money. But unless you sell it, you have nothing, right? So you could be up $10 million one day, down $10 million the next day, and like none of it really matters because until you sell it, none of that's realized. So getting people to understand that top line revenue is the same thing, right? You could be making a ton of top line revenue, but if your goal is to, to sustain your company, the only way you can do that is if you get somebody to invest money in you. So we're living in this super weird time where essentially the VCs of the world will invest so much money in something that has a lot of promise and they use what's called a portfolio strategy where they don't need, out of 10 companies, they may only need one to be successful. So the other nine you're looking at and going, wait a second, they're piling money into this. I don't see how they're ever gonna make their money back. They're probably not. And once you realize they're going to lose that money and they're just gonna make money on the one company that smashes it and has a 10X return that it makes up for the other companies and that they're just okay with that. And because they don't know which one is gonna hit, I mean, they're doing their best to like figure it out and base it you know, on things that they've seen historically, but nobody knows, right? Which is how we got the tech bubble in 2000. It was like, people were just going nuts. And I remember I was super young when that was happening and I was looking at that going, dude, like how are they doing? There was this company called Cosmo.com and I remember thinking, how can they afford to deliver this stuff? Because they would deliver things like within an hour. Like they would go buy a CD at Target and bring it to my house for like pennies. <laughs> I remember thinking, what? Like, how are they doing this? And of course, they went out of business because while they had top line revenue, they weren't profitable. So focus your attention on things that actually matter. Profitability matters. People could say your company's worthless. If you're making $100 million a year in profit, you're laughing, like you're laughing all the way to the bank. And so nobody gets to tell you anything because you've got so much profitable cash flow. So focus on that. Um, also, trying to figure out how you should be spending your time, look at where the bottlenecks are. Like, what are the things that you're doing that um, are taking up your time? What are the things that are doing that lead directly to sales? What are the things that, are, that you're doing that are stopping you from being profitable? Like, looking at your profit and loss statement and just finding out, like, where are we hemorrhaging cash, right? Is it payroll? Is it um, our ingredients are too expensive? I mean, there's gonna be, like in a business like yours, there's gonna be stupid stuff that eats your profitability. There's gonna be a drought in Paraguay where you're buying one of your ingredients from and that drought causes the cost of that ingredient to go up and it makes it harder to get a hold of. You're the small guy, so other people are buying it up. So the guy comes to you and says, hey, you still want your coffee grounds. You're gonna have to pay this much for it. And by the way, you're gonna have to sign a contract at that price for 12 months or 18 months, or 24 months, and you're like, oh God, I gotta do it. And so now for the next 18 months, your profitability just got crushed, right? Yeah. What are you, what are you gonna do? Yeah. That, that's, that's about you know, some drought happening. So you've gotta be prepared for that stuff. You've gotta move from strength to strength. You've gotta be looking all the time at what are those things that are 
hampering my profitability. And then looking at your marketing and saying, okay, like I love doing, let's say you love doing the videos, right? Oh man, I love doing this. Content marketing is amazing. Like it's my shtick. I love it. And then you realize, huh, it's not actually building my community. So, and if it's not building my community, then what's it really doing? And it's taking up a lot of my time. So treating your time like you treat your money, right? And expecting a return on that time. And so being really honest, like, we just made a change to the way that we do our book reviews and the way that we do our impact quotes. Why? Because our impact quotes were, we know that our long content dramatically outperforms our short content. And we know that when we, um, on YouTube, when we marry visuals to something that that does way better. So our impact quotes, even though it was short content was doing really well. So we're like, huh, that's weird. And the format of it where I could just riff and I'm doing it free flow means it takes very little of my time and then does really well. So what if we put imagery over that? And then the book reviews, which were we were doing on an image basis, but also I had to, I had to write them to make them really concise. Um, and so it was just like the amount of reward that we were getting from the book reviews was very low and the time was very high. The amount of reward we were getting from the quotes was very high and the time was very low. So what we did was we basically switched the format so I could afford to put a little more time into the quotes, make them longer, um, and then and make them visual so and I can outsource the visual part. I don't have to do that so that we could you know increase the effect that we're having there. And then in the book reviews, I started doing them free flow, which means they're going to be longer, which is good because our longer content performs better. So anyway, you have to be auditing that stuff. You have to be looking at the results, steering by results, only results matter. Steer by the data, steer by the data. That's going to be key. All right, I can keep going on in that, but we'll we'll wrap it there. Of course, of course. I, I appreciate your book reviews. I, I, I'm listening to uh, the book. Um, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank now here. Um, really impacting you, huh? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. right. Um, Unnatural Selection, sorry. I love that one. Yeah, it's good, it's good. Okay. Um, so, I mean, putting myself out there and saying that I have a company that uses nothing but compostable material, that is definitely putting my back into a corner in an industry saying, hey, guys, look, this is my lifestyle. And um, I'm still going to fall victim to purchasing certain things. I'm still a consumer at the end of the day. Uh, I'm sure that uh, when you guys were building Quiet Nutrition, um, one of the things was beans were putting in, hey, well, we could find a better ingredient. We could find a better ingredient. And there's margins and there's, 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 um, that stuff costs money. So over time, developing a better product, uh, as you guys developed your better, a better product, putting better ingredients into, the, into your bars, I'm sure you probably had your back against the wall where someone was saying, hey, um, why are you guys using this when you could use this? Same for me as like, why are you consuming this when I thought you're all about compostable product? How do you deal with, with uh, the conflict and friction that that could cause? I mean, yes, well, there is always better things we can do. And, and kind of getting called out um, in the spot, because I'm, I'm sure that will happen, where, some of, where that'll, that'll, that'll face itself in, 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 the, uh, in building this company. And as we build up products, like you know, what we're packaging and what we're using, you know, shipping, it over, um, shipping it across the planet, what that does to emissions and what the box looks like we put into it. Like it's, all, it's all questions where I'll get, I'll get uh, kind of my back against the wall and I'll have to answer strategically. So, what did you do with Quest when it came to answering those questions? I, I wouldn't be strategic. I, in fact, the one strategy I would say you should employ is be super authentic and just tell people exactly why you're making the choices that you're making. And if it's like, dude, for the product to be profitable, this is what we had to do. We had to make this concession. Um, just be open with people. Be totally transparent. Let them know what you're about. Uh, 
there will be people who will hate on you for it and they will try to burn you down. They'll call you fake or fraud and all that stuff. Um, but the people that see that you're really trying to make the product better over time, that you're trying to bring costs down for them over time, that you have a profit margin and you're just willing to live with that. Like one thing we did at Quest was we made a way higher quality product with a smaller margin. We just said that's the way it's going to be. Like we get that. And so to bring this product to people to not be gouging them, um, to hit a price point they'll pay for, quite frankly, um, we're just gonna have to crush our margins, but we're not willing to crush the quality of the product. So understanding that the, the product quality is your best marketing material ever, right? So your product has to work. It has to be something that influencers get. They look at and they say, whoa, it's got the almond oils, the essential oils, the, um, you know, the sea salts, it's got the high quality coffee grounds, like whatever the things are that they're really gonna understand, that they're really gonna resonate with, you, you have to make sure you have that, but then you have to charge something that gives you a profitability level that lets you stay in business. So that's the, the key is understanding how um, you can make the product better over time, that you're not trying to gouge the customer, that you're being totally transparent, that you're being authentic, that they can see what you stand for, and that if you stand for compostability, 100% natural, and that's going to be the niche that you go after, then you can't ever betray that. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be things um, in the process that uh, are less than perfect, there will be. But if they see, for instance, let's say that you have um, somebody that you're working with to get the coffee grounds and they're sustainable, but you think they could be doing better. If you lay out like, here's our three-year sustainability plan. I'm actually working with the person that we're sourcing the coffee grounds on this three-year plan. We're reinvesting money into them. Now it's like, one, that's awesome because people see that you really care and you care enough to allocate not only dollars, but time to it. And that you're putting your mental energy into it, that you're sharing it with them. They're gonna love that. And that's a big thing. Why do we make all this content here? Because we wanna share with people. I wanna give away as much as I can for free to deliver as much value to people as humanly possible because we're all going to have an ask, right? And so for us right now in phase one, the ask is share, please share. So, we're, but we're going to try and give everything away. We're inviting people behind the scenes. I believe, and to Jared's point about Gen Z, I think that what is going to make Gen Z um, a, a force and what's going to change the way that companies do business is they're going to demand, they're going to demand transparency. And so now they're going to reward businesses that are run by people who are authentically in line with what they care about. So the reason that I'm building a personal brand is I want people to understand the human being behind the company. And so I want them to, to really know who I am because look in the amount of content, we put out something like seven hours or more of content every week, more, it's more than that. We put out more than seven hours of content every week. Like I can hide somewhat, like I can give you like a, a crafted message for a few hours, but at some point it's like you take it all together in aggregate and you just can't hide. And so that, that is where the world is moving. That is why um, content creation is, uh, is going to be more and more and more important for brands. People have to see who's really behind there. They have to know what you care about. I love that. No, I love that. I think transparency is, it's, it's, it's fundamental and, and it's exciting because you're putting it all on the line. And, uh, there's, there's no other way to do business in, in my personal opinion. So, um, I know I've been jumping all over here with questions. Um, it's all right. Nobody knows the order you sent them to me in, so it's fine. It's time for one more question. All right. So we're, we're nearing the end. So one more. You want to hand it over to Facebook? See if they got a question? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. A couple it. quick questions for you, Jesse. So one, how long have you been producing the product and 
distributed uh, globally. So we have some people from the UK who are interested in getting the product. Nice. Uh, so to answer that question, yes, we are going to be distributing it globally. Um, we're probably about two weeks away from that. As I mentioned, we're in Kickstarter phase. We haven't actually said, hey, we're live. Um, that happens in, in an hour and 20 minutes. Nice. So um, once we do that, it's going to be e-commerce based business. Uh, that gives us direct cash flow. So we're able to grow from that. Uh, I don't have to put any consumables in, in, in stores, beauty stores. Um, it allows us to keep everything really tight. And the second, first part of that question, sorry. How long have you been producing the product? So producing the product, I mean, as I mentioned, we're in the Kickstarter phase, so we haven't, uh, we've given out samples. We've done some R and D. Uh, I've had a few hundred people try the product. Um, the recipes though, that are developed for that, uh, we're talking about 15 years worth of experience, uh, that those are coming from. So, uh, I've sourced out, um, some third parties that have really helped me dial those in, uh, making sure that we do have the right balance, the, you know, the, the right amount of almond oil, shea butters, coconut butters, salt. So, so the actual, uh, formulas for it, uh, those are, yeah, there's gotta be 15 plus years worth of experience. Um, I don't want to release the person's name. Uh, but they've been helping uh, from the get-go on that. Great. There we go. All right, man. Well, that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for coming on. And everybody, this is Grit and Diamonds. You can go to gritanddiamonds.com. It is a coffee and salt body scrub. Very interesting. Uh, Really, really appreciate you taking the time, Jesse. Uh, And again, the Kickstarter is a minute or an hour and 20 minutes away roughly from being done. So go check it out. If it's something that you want to participate in, um, get yours today. So my friend, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. I will say real quick here. Um, you know, I put a list together about seven months ago of people I wanted to meet and believe it or not, you were number two on the list. Um, so not only did I have the opportunity to meet you, I got the opportunity to be in your studio, uh, live. So I mean, part of you know the phrase grit is just giving it everything you have and and that's where that's fundamentally where this name came from i know it is a greedy substance but uh, i built it off of uh, a characteristic and a personality uh, that, that that i believe uh, that i hold in myself so um thanks for this man i really appreciate it and i look forward to uh to launching this product and putting it out there for you guys my pleasure and i have to ask who is number one uh, i knew you're gonna ask that uh it's <laughs> Branson. i mean who wouldn't want to like literally go kite surfing with Richard Branson. Uh, dude, I'm with you. I think you've chosen very wisely. Well, man, what an honor to be on the list. What an honor to have you on today. Really, really appreciate it. All right, guys, be sure to check it out, gritanddiamonds.com. Really appreciate you guys joining. Thanks for asking the questions there at the end. Always, always awesome to have the Facebook community join us. Really appreciate it. Guys, if you haven't already, this is a weekly show, so be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Peace out. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.